Hello, and welcome to the Tennis with an Accent podcast, where we talk about tennis by connecting the present of the sport with its storied past. Be it the nuanced unpacking of the individual stories, long-form interviews, or the detailed tour-level analysis, we have you covered. Hello, everyone. This is Saqib Ali back at Tennis with an Accent, and today we are going to be talking about the ITF Tour and the challenges on the tour. And helping me do the honors is a special guest. I have the Macedonian Fed Cup captain, Dimitar Labudovic, joining me on the show. Welcome to the show, Dimitar. How are you? Uh, fine, thanks. Uh, hi, Sakib. Hi to everyone who will listen this. Uh, who is listening this podcast? Uh, pleasure to to have me, and I'm I'm okay. I'm everything, and I'm ready and open to discuss about all these things on the tour with with you tonight. I we really like the opportunity because a lot of people who listen to this kind of a podcast are really into tennis and they want to know everything about tennis. And hopefully, uh, with your knowledge and your experience, the listeners here will learn a lot. So, a standard question on my podcast: I know you're a former player yourself. So, what is your connection with tennis? How far does it go back as a young boy? When did you fall in love with tennis? Uh, so, uh, comparing to what is happening now. And uh, the kids that are starting, and we can hear that also on the tour that the kids are starting like when they are three, four, five years old. Uh, I started playing tennis almost at uh, when I was close to eight years old, and it was like uh, uh, literally accidentally I started playing tennis because uh, there were there was a tennis club just opposite of my father's job when he where he was uh, working that time. And uh, when I was at uh, his work, he just uh, asked me, do you want to play like tennis to start to do something? Because I, I never played some sports. And my parents, uh, just my father played uh, football or soccer uh, just uh, when he was young. So I said, okay, let's start it. And, and I, I, I started to, to play tennis like that. So, and then after that, I get addicted and uh, after after few few years, I I become better and better. I during my junior career, I I won all the national championships, so under twelve, under fourteen, under sixteen, and under eighteen. So I was multiple a national championship uh, champion, and then I I was in the national team as well. Uh, first junior team, I was uh, my. I'm not uh, sure now, but it was like top 20 Tennis Europe or European Tennis Association in that time rank, uh, ranking. I was top 20. Uh, then I, um, I, I started to play ITF tour, uh, junior tour. Uh, so I was like uh, 500. And then I, I decided to start uh, playing pro tour. I, uh, woman, uh, sorry, men's pro tour. And with the with futures in that time ten thousand uh, dollars, so it was the lower lower level tournaments. And unfortunately, in two years I got uh, two big injuries. Uh, first was my my knee, and then my my right shoulder. I'm right-handed, and I have to I had to stop, unfortunately. And then when I was like twenty twenty one, I started uh, with coaching. As, as well, I was part of the, the best years of the Davis Cup team uh, in, of our country. And when we were 
just close to the World Cup, uh, World uh, World uh, Zone. Uh, in that time, so we were in the first Euron African Zone. Uh, so in that time, like 15 years ago, the the format was was different than than the the format uh, now. So that's in 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 short ways that that my playing career. And after that, when I was 21, I started started coaching. Wow! So you gave me you know a lot of information here, and just like any player, you have a rich history. So let's stick to your early days. So while growing up in Macedonia, what is the playing infrastructure like? Is it mostly clay court tennis, hard court tennis? And what are the opportunities that you had as a young boy compared to what are the opportunities some of the Macedonian kids are having now? So talk about those things. So it's it's uh, we cannot compare. Uh, literally, yeah, we cannot compare. And the difference is like uh, 20 years uh, so most of the courts are are clay courts in our country, and uh, so we have also summer and, and winter season because during the winter we are playing indoors. Uh, it was could be cold, so uh, this this period of, of the year could be like minus five, minus ten degrees Celsius. So it's pretty much cold. So we have two different seasons. Um, in that time when I was playing. Uh, we had like not more than 30, 40 courts in the whole country. So just for example, for your, uh, for, for your listeners that uh, Macedonia is a pretty small country. We are two millions uh, on the Balkan Peninsula, uh, just between Greece and Serbia. So uh, it's a very small country. And that time we have uh, literally 30 courts and the coaches were not being ed- educated so in that time uh that period of time that was like uh early 90s so 94 95 uh and um in that time the, our coaches started to be ed- educated from the itf system and as as the years were passing uh we had even better uh, conditions for practice and even even better coaches so the, the the coaches have more and more and more experience but um i have to say that uh, the tennis got expansion in last maybe 10 years because uh, it was a government project for buildings uh, not just tennis courts but uh, sport venues and sport uh, sport sports halls uh, throughout uh, all over the the country and it was like a national project and they built like 100 hard courts so that that that's something that really helped to to every one of us uh, to become even better coaches to have more players and uh, to to have uh, better conditions to work and to do to develop some players comparing to the the period when i was playing with we had like uh, I, what I said, like thirty courts in total in the in the whole country, and during the winter we had like not more than ten to fifteen courts uh, covered. So in the hall or uh, like a bubble, you know. So uh, that were the, the it was really really tough for us, and it was really tough for for traveling around uh, not just the world but around around Europe. So in in that time, you know. Financially, was was pretty tough to 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 go wherever we want. But anyway, uh, 
I have to mention that our country, like not just me, but in my generation, it's same age. I was top 20. We have two, two girls that uh, they played like uh, the junior masters at the end of the season for, for tennis Europe. So they were top eight. So we had like a lot of, lot of successful, a lot of successful players, even though we are a small country. Oh, that's all very fascinating stuff. So what is, uh, where does tennis rank among the sports that are followed in Macedonia? Is it like one of the top two, three sports in your country as terms of people watching? Uh, I cannot say that we are in top three because it's like a um, national sport in our country is handball and it's the most popular sport uh, in, in, in Macedonia. Uh, even we have uh, our club in Skopje, Varda was the two-time European champion. So we won the Champions League uh, for men's handball. And uh, so also the national team was... Uh, Top eight in on the European Champions uh, Championship a few years ago. So the handball is the the top top sport in our country. Then then football or soccer, as you said in 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 US, we played the European Championship last year. So tennis basically maybe it's in let's say like top five or also uh, the. The as I as I'm saying for them, it's a fighting sports like uh, karate, taekwondo, and uh, we we just uh, on the last Olympics, our guy won a bronze medal on on the, on the Olympics in taekwondo. So those are the sports that are pretty much popular, and let's say tennis could be like fifth, sixth spot in the in the country. Mm. So you said the neighboring countries are Greece and Serbia, and Serbia has become a tennis powerhouse. You know with Anna Ivanovic, Jelena Jankovic, and of course, the great Novak Djokovic. So is, is uh, an, you know, does a neighbor country being such a superpower, does that also create more interest for the sport? Or, you know, do you, do you guys root for the Serbians or the Greeks? Or is there rivalry? How does basically Djokovic's success, uh, you know, as seen in, in, in a neighboring country? Yes, of course. Uh, we we cannot say that we don't have any influence from, especially from from Djokovic, because uh, maybe you know, or probably the most of most of your listeners they don't know, or we were living in the same country in ex Yugoslavia, so we were like one country uh, till nineteen ninety one, and uh, of course. Uh, Djokovic is one of the one of the idols of of, uh, of the young tennis players uh, starting now in or during the last 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 decade here in Macedonia. So it is a big influence from 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 Serbia as well, and uh, there are a lot of players, especially from our country. There are uh, some of them are practicing in Serbia or going on some uh, training blocks to to Serbia. Uh, so we cannot uh, we cannot exclude the the connection between Macedonia and Serbia as well. Not that much with Greece, but uh, with with uh, with Serbia, uh, yeah, pretty much. So let's tie this into you know your career. You said <clears throat> uh, when you were twenty one, you had injuries, and then you had to make a decision on your career. So the larger question. Uh, tennis is not an easy sport to, you know, compete because there's so much international travel. So what kind of support you had from your federation when you were competing at the, at the ITF or the futures level? Is there, 
is the Federation active in supporting the top talents? And how has that changed over the years? Uh, it's a tough question. I have to be careful now. Hopefully, <laughs> if somebody from the Federation listen, <laughs> listen to this podcast, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. So I, I can't, I can say that, uh, in that time when I was a junior, that we have some big, uh, big support, uh, the, in that time with the, the federation didn't have such a big budget and there was not a help from the government or from the government bodies which are responsible for sports. So uh, the, the only help that we had in that time was when we were, when we played for the national team, uh, either is that an Eastern European championship or European Championship, or Summer or Winter Cups as a national teams, or the Davis Cup team. So that was the only uh, moment when we have support from the financial support from the from the government, uh, not from the government, sorry, from the from the federation. And uh, after after the years were passing, uh, there were. Uh, more and more supporting programs, not just from the federation, but also from the uh, from the government, the, that they were helping to 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 not just tennis players, but to the to the talents uh, in Macedonia. Doesn't it doesn't mean on on which which sport they were they were practicing. So so the they the government formed. Uh, agency for sport and youth. It's like a sort of ministry of sport and, and uh, there were funds for the tennis players to, to travel on tournaments or to, so some travel costs, tournament costs or costs for the, for practicing. Uh, doesn't matter if it's for the coach or for some practice uh, blocks out of the country and so as as the 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 years are passing uh, we're passing so we have more and more support and the, and now it's i can i can say that uh, in this moment is maybe in the last 20 25 years is the 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 federation is working really hard to to help to the players really and um we can feel the support. It's it's and now it's not about just the national teams. It's about the the players. It's about also my player that I'm working with is the best Macedonian female tennis player and the best player so far in the history of Macedonia. So we really um, feel the support and uh, not just financially, but uh, they're also doing some administration things and so on and so on. Also in this in this period of the uh, of the of the year, the federation is applying for some uh, f- uh, grants from the from the international tennis federation. So we are also taking some money from for the junior players as well. So uh, it's becoming better. It's not perfect. I cannot say it's perfect comparing to the best uh, best countries in the world and the best federations in the world. It's it's better, but uh, at the end, when you put the the line of the of the costs, 
at the end of the year most of the most of the costs are covered by the by the parents of the of the of the players so that that it's getting better hopefully it will be it will be better the federation is really working hard to um, to help to the players we started organizing also pro tournaments after 20 25 years we had the the Billie Jean King Cup or the Fed Cup uh, last year here in Skopje in, in, in our country. So the things are getting better, but we are still far, far away from the biggest, biggest federations in the world, in Europe as well. Okay. So that's uh, quite interesting. Uh, I, I think I know some of these things, but I don't know. I only know it from far. So I want to explore this further. So you said a lot of support is coming from the parents. So, and then we also hear a word called sponsor in tennis. Even famous players like Marat Safin had said that he got a lucky sponsor when he was leaving Russia. And then he went to train in Spain and then he, you know, he broke out on the tour. So talk about the role of a sponsor or talk about parents in this case, uh, in, in a federation like yours or other federations too. How important is uh, that support for a player to keep going? Because tennis is a very international sport and you only make money if you win. It's not like a team sport where you have contracts. You know, players have to win to keep making some money and some ranking points. So talk about the role of parents and sponsor in that through that, that prism. Um, yeah, you are, you are correct. So you're, you're winning, you're earning money. That's the, that's the, that's the rule for the pro tour. If you don't win, you don't earn. If you don't earn, you can stay at home and you cannot travel. Um, I can I can uh, speak from uh, my perspective and the perspective of my player. Uh, luckily, that my player, her parents, uh, can afford traveling, and can afford her tennis. Uh, she is one of the most successful athletes in our country. She was athlete of the year, female athlete of the year, two thousand and sixteen, uh, and. She has no sponsors. Yes, she has a sponsor from uh, international contract with with Head for sport equipment, but there is no uh, support outside of the federation from some sponsors. Yes, she got some money if she do if she she does some uh, campaign for whatever. For some company, and but it, that's a short-term contract. And when the when that campaign is finished, then that's all. They are paying some amount of money, and that's all. And that's the problem that um, we have here in our country. And you need the money when you are trying to what you say to break through uh, the pro tour, because when you get to top one fifty. And when you will be in the in the Grand Slam range, that means that if you are around, let's say not top one, top one fifty, but top two hundred, if you are playing even the qualities of the Grand Slam, you can earn a sort of amount of money. But the help for not just my player, but for every player, needs to be boosted as much as you, as much as the federation or the sponsors can. During the the first period, when you're uh, transferring from juniors to to pro tour, and when you 
play on 15k tournament and when if you lose a uh, first round you get like mm, i don't know close to 100 dollars which is nothing you can pay for your food for one day it's 100 dollars so that, that that's the moment when the when the the players need that that help a lot to, to so they can afford to travel wherever they want or in the region where they are living or for example we are from Europe so you we can travel when we are traveling most of the time in Europe but there are also players in US or I don't know Asia and and so on and so on so that that's the moment when where you you not you but the 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 sponsors the federation should help to the players and should help to the to the parents as well that, that that's the tricky moment when if you break in those top 300 or top uh, even top 400 when you started to play uh tournaments on higher level like uh, 40ks i'm now speaking just about the women's tour because uh i know that the atp challenger tour is something something different and i'm 10 years on the women's tour so i will stick to the to to the women's tour and you can play the 40k and 60k tournaments where you can earn a little bit more not a little bit more but you can for with a good result you can well, well earn like four or five thousand five thousand euros and then how you can cover the expenses for traveling for the coach for the accommodation there for food and for everything so for so to, to bottom line uh the biggest support from the sponsors or from the federation or whoever wants to help to those players is at the beginning of the of, of their pro career when they are starting to play on this 15k until the time that they will hopefully they will be in top three or 200 when they can earn by themselves and they can pay pay them they their expenses by, by themselves okay that's very interesting so uh now you're also fed cup captain so is your arrangement with your current player, is it uh, a direct equation between you as the player or is also the Federation uh, kind of arrange this where you coach her and also be uh, the Fed Cup captain? Is there any involvement from them? No, 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 no. We started working together before I was named as a Fed Cup captain of my country. So we are already 10 years working together and I'm, this will be my fifth year if we exclude the the corona corona year where the when the fed cup was was cancelled uh so i i started first i started working with her and then i i become a, a fed cup captain of my country okay so let's also talk about your player uh, introduce your player to the listeners uh, you know what her ranking is how far she's been playing and what are the goals and what are some of the short term goals you are working together i know she missed the cutoff for Australian Open qualities, but uh, talk about your player. Uh, yeah, so her name is uh, Lina Gjorčeska. She's the um, she's twenty twenty eight years old. Uh, we are already working, like as I thought, as I said, like for for ten for ten years already. Uh, when we started working together, she was like eight hundred fifty something like that, between eight hundred and nine hundred ranking, and. Um, as we as we were working her her ranking was just uh, going going up it was higher and higher and uh, her 
career best best rank is is uh, 117 singles and 116 in doubles so so far she has uh, she has won uh, 54 this is like a really impressive impressive number of 54 or 50 55 I am, I'm not sure pro titles which are 12 12 titles in singles on the on the women's pro pro tour and 40, 40, 43 in doubles so she's pretty much success, successful player she played all the grand slams the uh, the qualifying for the all grand slam the best result is uh 2017 Australian Open where she played the third round lost from the first seeded uh, Stephanie Fogel uh in the in the third set and that was the uh it's an uh, it's not a funny story, but that's the, that was the most successful and the most stressful uh, Grand Slam so far. Because in the first round she uh, she got injured in the first round of the of the qualies, and she won two more matches uh, with injections, and then she played the through the whole whole year, and at the end. Uh, at the end, the doctors in, 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 in Munich, in Germany, they said uh, she needs a surgery because the wrist was broken. So she played a whole year for Grand Slams and I don't know how many tournaments that year with a broken wrist. So broken bone. So broken bone in the wrist. And um, the rehab was almost one year and then we started to play again. Uh, she, she almost lost his, her ranking, uh, and then before the coronavirus started and the season stopped, uh, she got like uh, three hundred something ranking, uh, and then we started to 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 play better and better, and currently she's two hundred fifteenth in the world. Unfortunately, we missed the the U.S. Open. Last year, with a ranking of 238, because of the too many players with special ranking, with the protected ranking, also we lo- uh, for for three places she was third alternate, and this year on the Australian Open with ranking of 243, again too many protected ranking uh, players entered. And she was fifth out, so we were unlucky this this last two Grand Slams, and the, also the goal, as as you said, the 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 next goal is is Paris and Roland Garros, and hopefully we will be uh, in for for the next three Grand Slams. So that that's the goals for for this season, and uh, the the main goal is to finally to to try to break in that top one hundred fifty. And that to to have a, new, a better career high, so to to go at least one spot better than one hundred seventy, so that will be fulfilling the the goals for this year. Mm, that's uh, that's incredible that she played with so much pain and uh, a broken uh, wrist pretty much for a year. So is is Lena after that? Uh, Lena, right? That's her name. After yes. that Australian Open run in twenty seventeen. Is she a known figure in Macedonia? Do people know her if she's walking the street? Because she's the best tennis player uh, you have there. No, not at all. Uh, not at all. Just uh, the pretty much passionate uh, tennis fans. 
can can recognize her but but not it's because the you know um even even uh, even she was like in in top 200 and she was making s- such a good result uh the media didn't cover uh tennis that much in 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 that uh, in that period of times but uh i said it's we are a smaller country and tennis it is popular but not that much popular that um somebody will meet you and and uh, at the street and ask for a photo or for autograph or something like that no the reason i said this because uh, sanya mirza who's retiring i think uh, tonight at the australian open she's playing the mixed doubles final when in 2005 she broke through the us open i think she reached the third or fourth round she became very popular in india and she reached a career high ranking i think in the 20s and of course you know that's still a phenomenal success that's why i asked like you know even if on a grand slam you win one match for certain countries that's groundbreaking because it's not a even field out there like how certain federations and certain comp- countries are represented so let me ask you like 215 is a rank she's been around this ranking in basketball like nba or soccer leagues that will be a world class player but in tennis we only talk about fans we talk about top 20 top 50 and some some players in the top 100 so how difficult it is in tennis to be 215 and still compared to other sports tennis has challenges right to make money so how difficult is uh, lena's you know when you plan out your schedule the travel so how, talk about that experience for a player who's ranked 215 in the world what's the full full method what's the training what's the schedule and how you prioritize things uh it's it's a lot it, it, it's all, it's it's so 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 difficult and we are always always it's not a joke it's a reality that uh the 200 top 200 football player in the world could be one of the best in the world and he can play like i don't know maybe he, the 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 200 football player was part of uh Argentina is a is a world cup winner and they're earning like millions of of uh, of uh, of euros or dollars uh, as as yearly contract and and the tennis player which is 200 in the world and it's extremely difficult to be to become 215th or even 300 is is such a great an achievement to be top, top 200 and it's and it takes a lot of a lot of work and hours and hours on and off court uh, to become like two, 200 in, in the world and the that player which is 200 in the world can earn i don't know like maximum 100,000 per year if you play the grand slams and if you have like a good good result on them so it, it, it's a it's a uncomparable unfortunately and tennis is such a popular sport uh, throughout the world not not just in europe but everywhere in the world is is so popular and it's and it's pretty tough and even tougher when you come from a country like like our country like macedonia um i can tell you it's it's an, it's an a joke when we are going on tournament and somebody is asking you uh, like it, some spectators or staff tournament staff like where are you from like said macedonia oh barcelona is so nice in barcelona no 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 i said it's not barcelona barcelona is in spain and we are from macedonia it's a it's a small country on the balkans close to close to serbia and greece 
So it's 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 really tough. Uh, as as you ask me about the the methodology of the practices and all the all 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 those stuff, uh, look, uh, uh, I am a professional. We have a professional uh, physical coach who is responsible for the physical condition of Lina. So uh, the schedule of practices is uh, almost the same as as any other player. So I I will go like very no, short. No, sorry, short, short to cut you off. No, I meant sorry? how do you schedule your tournaments? Because I've been around Mert, you know, our friend. So sometimes I ask Mert, and they plan their tournaments few months in advance. So how do you guys sit down and pick which tournament to play? And is uh, you know what kind of uh, uh-huh. factors are there when you plan a schedule that far ahead? Travel and where to stay, visa. I'm sure it was not tough during the pandemic. So talk about that stuff. Sorry, I was not clear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's uh, yeah. So we have like some. Um, it's a bigger plan for like options. Look, like to have like a blocks of tournaments somewhere, but most not most, but ninety nine percent of the tournaments we are playing in Europe. So uh, we are now like let's say we have like planned till almost till, till Roland Garros what she will play. And uh, about like the first thing is now we have to think about the level of the tournament because as you play, as your ranking is higher, you need to play on uh, on a better tournaments on a, on a tournaments uh, that uh, will bring you more more points to to climb on the on the WTA ranking. So that that that's the first thing. So we need to we need to find uh, appropriate tournaments for her ranking, and uh, the thing is now that these higher level tournaments are spread all around the Europe, and it could be like one tournament there, one tournament in another country. So we have to find a good good uh, good combination of tournaments, and um, also the financial situation is is uh, pretty much priority. Because, uh, for example, I will tell you now, uh, the second and third week of January, when, when you contact me about, about the podcast, I was on tournament in Estonia. Uh, so Estonia is on the, on the north of, on north of Europe, close to, close to Finland, just across the Baltic Sea. And we flew with three flights to there. So we got to Melbourne with two flights and then we flew to 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 the capital of Estonia which is Tallinn with three flights and the the flights is because we have to buy a one way ticket because you don't know when you will come back at home so we we spent like more than 1000 euros for 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 both of us for just for airplane tickets so that that that's, that's pretty much a lot and when you when you see the all the expenses there for the hotel for uh, for food and for everything, so it, it's it's pretty much big amount of of money, and that even even uh, even Lena, when which is a player that her parents luckily can afford that, it's even too much to spend like two or three or maybe four thousand euros for two for two weeks. Luckily, she got in the finals in the first tournament, and then. And then in the quarters in the next tournament, so she earned some money and she she earned a lot of points for for start of the season. So that's that's basically the 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 first uh, 
the first priority, as I said, is the level of the tournament. And then we see the expenses for, for that, for that tournament or for that block of tournaments. And as you said, uh, luckily we don't need visa for the European Union and for most of the country. We are not, we don't need visa. We need visa for the, for the Eastern countries like Russia and ex, uh, ex, uh, Russia, China, Japan. So all the Eastern, Eastern world and ex Soviet Union countries. We need visa, but luckily most of them are online visas. So we can, we can, we can do that very, very fast. And, uh, those are the things if you if you want something else if i or if i forgot something so just remind me no no this is good again i'm just you know my mind is going in so many different directions because the information you're sharing is very important and sometimes we don't realize because we just said about you know the tournament the travel i've gone to the us open many times as a fan and i used to take the seven train from queens all the way to the us open and a lot of times i've seen players getting in that train because, you know, and, and I didn't know those players and I usually know the top hundred by face. So I, and I could, you could think this guy, this person could be going to qualifying or someone who's come from the qualifying and could be someone in the top hundred, not that I know everyone, but uh, that kind of puts a reality check. And then you go to the main entry where uh, the big stars like the Agassiz and the, the Sampras and the Djokovic's and you know, all these guys are coming, they're coming in the entourage and the, in the tournament cars. So so it's tennis is fascinating, right? It's no other sport. Uh, the discrepancy is there, like what the superstars do and what everyone else is doing. So I think it's a very interesting way how everybody has to work through the ranks to get towards the rankings. Where you know, once you know you're there, then you can have the same perks as what a Federer does or you know someone else does. So yeah, that's the thank. Thanks for sharing that. So I also want to ask you about injury, right? You had an injury or like right now if your player has injury so what does an injury do when a player loses say one year like what kind of conversation are you having because you know you're losing ranking points and age is always against you no matter if you're 25 you'll be 26 by the time you come back and vice versa so how is injury treated at that level okay then what kind of support you get and then what kind of conversations are having do people start thinking oh man i mean is my window finally over should i still play so talk about that kind of mindset when a player gets a serious injury and uh, of course money will always be an issue. So, you know, talk about with your experience and, and Lena's experience when you both had injuries and what followed next. Yeah. Ju- ju- just to add, add something of your, your f- first part of the question about the, <laughs> about what you can see on the grand slams and everything. So the, it's the, Grand Slams and the WTA and everything. What the the people see on TV is the the best part of the picture, you know. And uh, in, and that's the best life of tennis. And uh, that life, uh, as you said, like that life is lived by one hundred people. The people, the players that I there are top one hundred. Everything else or top 150, let's say top 100, something like that. I, I saw some um, statistics that uh, $1 million, $1 million billion from tennis uh, are earned just by 50, 50 players in the world. 
and how much you have to sacrifice, how much you have to work to be that much successful. So you can earn one million or plus. So that that's a that's a that's a, the the good the good part of the of the tennis. But unfortunately, the uh, what is happening on the on these uh, lower tournaments it's 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 the reality, and. Uh, so on and so on. It's it's a it's a subject that we can speak like whole day, and uh, just to 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 come back to to your question about the injury. You know, injury is a is a tough thing. It's uh it's not just the the physical pain that you are, uh, that you are you can uh, feel it. She broke a bone on the wrist and she played, but for for a whole year, and then she got uh, surgery in Munich. But the thing is that. Uh, the physical pain will pass, but the mental thing will stay for a long. And even when you will finish with the re- with the rehab after the surgery or after a big uh, uh, big injury, uh, the mental thing and the that um, fear in your head that you will feel the same pain will stay forever. And even now, five years after the after the surgery, because she she got injured, as I, as I mentioned, Melbourne 2017, she got the the surgery in December 2017. So it's already six year after after six year after the the surgery, she still feels some pain when the weather is changing or when we play for example on clay and the balls are a little bit heavy maybe after a rain or or the if the courts are wet so she still feels that pain and uh, mentally stuff you cannot relax you cannot play and then and then it's that that's the that's the toughest part and even more tougher part is uh, while staying at home trying to rehab not hitting a ball at all and that you cannot uh, do what you want do what you're living for the practices the tournaments and all those things so you cannot do what you you to love love the most and uh, that's killing you inside so uh, it was really tough not just for her just for me it was even it was even tougher for me seeing her crying on the court because she cannot she cannot practice or she cannot uh, hit the ball and uh, she got injured when she was on the top of her game of her level of play when she just broke uh, to to top 200 and it was like a bright future in front of her and then uh, injury happens unfortunately and that that's even tougher for for the player it's tough and even tougher for the coach because you're going home and thinking about how can you help to the player and not even the most positive words and most positive attitude and the most positive atmosphere on court uh, cannot uh, help to her you know you 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 are literally trying to be like a clown you know to 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 see the player happy but uh, if they cannot perform as they performed before the surgery or as they cannot play on the on the tour as they they were playing like for 25 maybe 30 30 weeks per year it's 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 pretty tough it's it's uh, so but uh, uh, as 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 we all know that 
those tough moments if you pass them uh, and you can pass them with your friends, best friends, family, the loved ones and uh, for for the for the for the tennis player is the team and uh, then you are becoming mentally mentally stronger and you are growing up as a as a, as a person so your your character is 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 much stronger and your thoughts are different so after that uh, uh, if you be able to come back on on that tour on the level that you played and if you achieved again the the ranking that you had before the uh, before the injury then you you will easily break even more for example uh we are now so close to that 170 it's like a magic number for me uh honestly and uh I I I want her to I want her to be like more than that 170 at least 179 and then I know that it will be like a, a new moment in her mind okay I was 170 before the the surgery and now after it took time yes 6 years to be back but I think that that moment when she will realize that aha uh-huh, I passed my career high now I can try to do more. So hopefully that that uh, that moment will come, and that uh, that uh, mental mental attitude will just progress more. Sure. So a couple more questions, and we can wrap this up. This is fascinating stuff. So Elena again, you said is twenty eight years old, and uh, a decade or maybe fifteen years ago, tennis players would retire at twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty. But now you know with more knowledge about eating, more knowledge about training. Uh, tennis, like other sports, has gotten older, which is good. Players can play into the late 30s, and some can even go till 40. So what ha, what are the goals? When you started working with her 10 years ago, what are the goals? Now, you said number 170 is the perfect you know, magic number. But what do the 28-year-old think now? How do you plan your career? You have a lot of experience that you didn't have when you were 18. So you know, ha, have the goals changed? Or you think age is just a number now? Players can achieve greater things even a little later in life. Uh, yeah, I can completely agree with you. Like uh, when you twenty years ago, when you heard about somebody that is like 27, 20, 28, even thirty years, uh-huh, he is already retired. He or she has to go to to retirement. It's enough for tennis for for that player. But now, as you said, and uh, some statistics, and not just the statistics, but uh, my personal opinion and experience from the tour, uh, when you can see like players, they're like 27, 28 years, that those are the most mature age for, for the players currently. Not just in, in, uh, uh, in women's tennis, but uh, also in men's. And I'm I'm really fa- fascinated by uh, Jessica Pegula, the 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 lady. I will say the lady. She's she break through uh, top 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 ten uh, last year, and uh, she's twenty eight. And I'm just correct me if if I'm wrong, but I think she's like twenty eight, twenty nine years. So uh, you can still do some good things. It's not just uh, 
Pegula, it's uh, Kerber also a few years ago, she broke through when she was like 20, 27, 28. So as you said, the age is, is, age is just a number. And what can we say about uh, Roger, Rafa, Novak, so Serena as well. Venus, she's okay. She's like 40. The, the, the lady is still playing tennis. So that, that, that is just, uh, that is just fascinating, fascinating. And what can we see as well on the tour is that there are so many young players, like young girls, that are entering so early. But I think uh, something that was happening uh, years ago, it's not happening anymore because we cannot see such a young player like 16, 15, 16 years making some extremely good results like uh, Sharapova, like Hingis, like uh, Selesh. Or even even uh, even Bouchard, she was with sixteen or seventeen in the finals of Wimbledon. So there are so many young girls; they're so good. I can see them on tour, like six, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years, even twenty years. So it's, for me, twenty twenty one is still so young, and they are already top two hundred. So the future is bright for them. And um, uh, but. At the end, it's tough to break in those top 50 or top 100. So maybe it's a, it's a good idea for the, maybe for some of the next, next podcast that you will make to have an, like, uh, some discussion about this, about the, so some statistics from the, from the WTA and ATP rankings about the, about the average age of the players in top 100, top 50 or, or something like that. Because when I see the, the, especially the WTA rankings, there are not that much uh, teenagers in the in the top top one hundred. Yeah, that's fascinating. We should definitely have a podcast on that because tennis has gotten older. So, no, this is good stuff. So, my last question is a very large question. Um, some of my friends we were discussing about the federations, and you know, uh, with India as an example, why we don't have good singles players in the last twenty years or so. Uh, so the question that came up is, is some, if someone has talent, uh, is that enough to go to the next level? I said no, but I'm not at the level. I said talent alone can't do it because you need a great program. You need a great federation. You need to have access to tournaments. You need to have a sponsor or rich parents or a rich federation backing you. It's not just simple as talent. I'm sure talent matters at the top. Like once uh, top players like Jabor and Sviantek and Goff, now you can talk about talent because they have all the money, all the backing at this level. But if someone's trying to make into tennis, I don't think talent is just enough, but I want to hear it from you. What, what, is, what is needed to crack the code? What is needed to become a successful professional tennis player? Uh, you are 100% right. And I can completely agree with you. I think the, the, the combination is uh, talent then uh, like uh, good uh, how can I say it like to be like a athlete like you know like f- physically to to be like uh, be be ready so to be born that that that's you that we we cannot uh, work that much like uh, to be like good good uh, physically to look good and uh, all, all those things and the third uh, the third part are the money so without money you can't do anything so um tennis become a sport where you have to travel a lot 
and to travel you need money so without without uh, without any help from your parents or federation or any kind of sponsor is so tough to to get to as you said to the level of Fiontek or Jaber or Bados or Sakari or whatever Ibakina Sabalenka as they are playing tomorrow they're, they're playing the final so it, it's tough really really is tough it um, it good thing is that I know because I have some uh, collaboration as well with the Tennis Europe and the ITF. They are they have like a Grand Slam development fund, which are uh, helping, uh, which are sort of amount of money, and then and they are helping to to young players from these uh, smaller countries. So so some of our best juniors were part of that Grand Slam development fund. So it's a it's a nice way to uh, to accelerate their journey to the to the pro. But at the end, uh, when you got that, uh, if even if you have money, without talent and we have without dedication to what you work every day, uh, you can't be part of this uh, elite company or to be top top hundred and and top top fifty or top top ten and so that that's the ultimate goal for everyone who picked up a racket to be to be professional and to be as much as you can higher in the ranking so I think that's the that's the formula so uh, talent good uh, f- physical so good body and 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 money or so money can't come from parents, sponsors, depends. Hi, Dimitra. That was good stuff. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Hopefully, the listeners will enjoy it too. And uh, hopefully, we can bring you back on the podcast one day. Uh, I was in, I was enjoying really. And thanks for, for having me, uh, Sagib. So whatever you want, uh, I'm ready to speak on some other sub, uh, subject as well. But... Hopefully it will be, I, I tried, really, I tried to brought this, uh, uh, not that good part of the tennis tour, uh, to your listeners. And I hope they will enjoy, uh, listening our maybe more than almost one hour podcast. So, um, hopefully I really, I really, uh, hope that, uh, if some, uh, of your listeners are, some managers or something like that on some big company and if they can help to some players in their region in their country that will help them a lot so and it will be just a, a big boost for for the career of that tennis player or it's not just a tennis player if just to to help to the sport because that's how you can make a success no we'll do and hopefully you're right someone will uh, start asking the right questions how to support a player and if they do, I'll find your contact and help you connect with them. But till then, yeah, keep winning. Uh, wish you all the best for Lena, and hopefully you guys get you get way past the one seventy magic number. Yeah, thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks for the for the good good wishes and hope. As you said, if you're going uh, every year to US Open, maybe we can we can meet meet in New York in August. Sure, we we'll make it happen. <laughs>